Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. Coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. My guest today, he is MMA fighter Patrick Bam Bam Hutton. Patrick, man, how you doing, brother? I'm good, Efren. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Hanging in here in the Midwest in uh, Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. And you know how it is in the Midwest, you know, you get a lot of snow, you get a lot of rain, and you get a little bit of everything in between, man. How about your area? Oh, yeah. How about yourself? I'm from, I'm from, the, I'm from the Midwest, so I'm from, I'm from Illinois, so. Oh, really? Texas now. So, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Rock Island, Illinois, on the Iowa-Illinois border, the Quad Cities. Uh, if you know MMA stuff, you'll, that's where the military fighting system started, out of Bettendorf, Iowa. I live on the Illinois side of Rock Island, Illinois, and, um. I live in Houston, Texas now, though. Oh, how was it like growing up in um, Illinois? Because, you know, a lot of, you know, you, you, especially, well, more, more of the city, Chicago, um, Chicago you, you know, you hear them, you hear, like, the news, they call it Chirac, and there's a lot of things going on in Chicago, but how is how's your area in Illinois? Is more is it more, like, calmer? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, as, not as wild as Chicago. Um, the area I live in, kind of, uh, it's quite cities, it's four cities, Rock Island, Illinois, Moline, Illinois, all the John Deere tractors and stuff were built. Then you go across the river, you're in Davenport, Iowa, and Bettendorf, Iowa. It was okay. It was pretty calm. A lot of sports stuff going on. Um, they had its crime areas <clears throat> in the area of Rock Island that I'm from. It's got some bad areas, but you know, just a regular uh, Midwest you know town. You know, Quad Cities is pretty big as a whole. The four of them together, uh, um, putting them together. But uh, I, I, I was just a kid, you know, so I always had a lot of fun and. Was always involved in sports, so I mean, I got I, I got no complaints about it. Oh, it's a little bit uh, different when I go back now. It's not as cool as it was. <laughs> in another bigger city, obviously, bigger city is a lot more fun. But <laughs> that's yeah, I have more things to do. But when you're a kid, man, you make the best of what you got. Yeah. Um. Um. How was you like as a kid? Like, what did you do for fun? It's like activities wise. Oh man, always outside. Uh, we always had. I, you know, my parents took care of us pretty good. I always had the video games, but. We never played them unless it was raining or outside. I mean, or for it was dark. You know, if it was summertime, we were outside playing wiffle ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, football season was outside playing football in the snow, basketball in the you know basketball with the snow. Sometimes we shovel the driveways. Always outside playing sports or playing. Nighttime, we'd be playing kick the can or tag. I, don't know, I lived in a real <laughs> cool neighborhood, so I had a couple. I had a couple brothers, so uh, you know, always playing, having fun out in the neighborhood, playing with the neighborhood kids. You know, not like the kids today. Now the kids today are always inside on on their phones doing YouTube, and you know, they didn't have the stuff. You know, they didn't have the stuff around when I was a kid. So we were outside playing wiffle ball and you know basketball and football and enjoying enjoying life. You know. Yeah. Um. You say you have brothers. Are you the middle brother, the younger brother? I'm the middle brother. I got. I'm the middle brother. I got a baby brother and an older brother. Yeah. You know what to say? Like, um, what, I'm gonna take a line from Chris Bell. The best part about an Oreo cookie is the middle. So, did you get everything handed? Not handed to you, uh, but was you like the favorite growing up, or? You know, I, I get away with more stuff. I'm, I'm real good about it. My parents do a little bit more for me than, than my brothers, but I, they, they took care of us all the same. And they, but uh, I'm the one that kind of could weasel them out of the one that gave them the most trouble. Yeah. And, uh, uh, um, but my parents, real good parents, and they, they made sure we all had, we all had, and no one was left out. You know, my dad's motto is if there's always room for one more. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, if one kid didn't get something and the other ones didn't, you know. We, and my, my dad would go into, um, used to be a store called Venture. 
Yeah. I don't know if they have those anymore. Um, Turnstile Adventure, he'd go into those stores when he'd get paid, and he'd come out with um, Star Wars figures. And it'd be all three of the same Star Wars figures, so we wouldn't fight. And he'd paint the feet <laughs> different colors so we didn't fight over who's, who had, who's Han Solo it was. Or, oh, my God. Uh, whatever the character was. We had, we had, we had every single, we had every, every character ever made. We had all the toys. All, we were spoiled kids. Oh, man. So, so in Christmas, like, was the presidents divided evenly? Like, every, each person got three or two or whatnot? Or? Everyone got the uh, same amount of money. Same amount? Oh, okay. So whatever they spend in the same amount. So, so some, somebody might, because my older brother, he might have got something that cost a little bit more money, so we might have less presents, but uh, all the money's divided equally. Everyone's, whatever they spend, everyone, let's say everyone gets 500 on each other. Yeah. Um, it'd be 500. Everyone would have the same amount spent on each other. Someone might have an extra present, but my parents would always be real quick to explain that to us, and we knew it. Yeah. You know, once we got a little bit older, we understood it. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, yeah, I know, especially in hindsight, it's, it's 2020. Like, you know, you, you know, when you're younger, like, oh, he got more than me, and you know, you know, like kids always, re they realize that when they're younger, they see that, you know. Oh yeah, they, they think so. You know, yeah, I, I might have got like five things, but my, you know, my older brother might have got a one thing, but his cost more than my five things. <laughs> you know? Oh man, so um. <laughs> Now, so how, like, um, what led you into MMA? Well, before you get to the road of MMA, like, um, what, the, like, was there certain people that geared you to that? Or, like, you know, doing sports in school? Like, how did you, what was, what was the gateway for you to going into MMA? Uh, well, you know, I always played sports growing up. I played football, basketball, baseball, soccer. Um, and I boxed a little bit when I was a kid. And then, um. Uh, high school I played baseball and football and I went on to play college football at Western Illinois University and uh, um, after I got out of college you know I, I played some rugby and I played semi-pro football that's where I couldn't do that no more so I wanted to get back into fighting so I started boxing in the tough man championships they, they got banned they don't have them anymore but oh yeah I remember I that middleweight toughweight remember those yeah, yeah. I, I fought one in Dallas and I fought the last one they ever had in Houston I won the middleweight championship and uh, um so I was the Houston middleweight champ, and then I started trying out for that TV show, The Contender. Um, the very first one was Stallone and Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. And I was doing really, really good through all the tryouts. I was whooping everyone in all the tryouts, and I, I, I got, I qualified for the final trial. They took the top 50 people that they interviewed, watched fights. They were gonna fly us out to LA, but they wanted me to get down to 140. And I'm like, dude, I can't get down to 140. I couldn't, I couldn't get down to that weight. It was too much weight, so I didn't get a chance to go to the final 50. But I was picked. But I, I went when I started to go down there. Uh, I was like, man, I'm whooping everybody by myself. I'm going to go get some help. So I ended up going to uh, the George Foreman Youth Center here in Houston, Texas, and I started boxing out of the George Foreman Youth Center and became uh, best friends with George Foreman. So that was kind of cool. And then, but I had buddies. I started teaching at a gym called uh, Rising Sun Karate. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Power Rangers. Yeah. At all. Oh, that's uh, Jason. Uh, Jason David Frank, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His, I saw him. I was boxing at a gym. Uh, uh, QLS was the gym, big gym back home, and I, I didn't know him at the time. Yeah. And I was just hitting the bags, and he came over and approached me. He was like, "Hey, do you box?" I said, "Sure." Yeah, I do. And he's like, "Well, I'm looking for a boxing coach. You know, I'm so and so, and I trained with Benny the Jet Rodriguez, and he's telling me a little about about himself." And I was like, "I wasn't really listening when he said Power Ranger. I kind of just let me go." <laughs> too old for that i didn't watch that you know yeah so i knew what it was but i was like oh, okay dude you know and uh, um he ended up hiring me to um teach him to be his boxing coach mm -hmm. so i started doing boxing lessons with him 
and I've always been an MMA fan because, like I said, where I'm from, the Quad Cities, is the Militage fighting system. I mean, you got Matt Hughes, Pat Militage, Jens Pulver, Spencer Fisher, Tim Sylvia, Rich Franklin, Robbie Lawler. I mean, all those studs came out of that gym, you know. And uh, so I'd always watched and followed it, you know, because my hometown was the ones that were whooping everybody. And it was cool. And I like to watch the boxing match. I watch all the boxing matches. I watch all the MMA fights. And so I took the job at uh, Rising Sun Karate, and I was the boxing coach. And then I had another buddy of mine that I used to train with uh, who was a wrestler, and he fought MMA. Uh, he came over and started training at uh, Rising Sun, and he started fighting MMA. So I was his main sparring partner. And uh, I... Uh, you know, I, I had to learn how to wrestle and all that stuff. You know, I'd get whooped up. I've been wrestling. I'd do real good on my feet, but then they'd get me on the ground. He's a good wrestler. And, he, but, you know, he'd, he'd get the better of me. So I kind of started learning. He'd teach me stuff, too. And how I actually got into MMA. It's funny. I was engaged. In a, um, well, I was going to get engaged. And the girl that I was engaged to, or was going to engage, had a, a bad marriage. And I said, well, look, we'll do it the right way. You know, pick your ring, which was a big mistake, guys. <laughs> Don't ever let the woman pick the ring. If they love you, they'll take whatever ring that you give them. <laughs> um, but I let her pick the ring, and the ring was like eight or nine grand. Wow. And I was like, man, hey, I can't, I'm a, I'm a special education teacher, man. I can't afford that. But I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm going to get you the ring. What are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to take a, a MMA fight. Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't want you to do that. I said, well, you don't want that ring then, because that's the only way I can hustle to get that money. Yeah. And so I, t- I got sponsors. You know, the gym that I taught had a lot of rich people, a lot of really good clients. They were really loyal to the coaches. And uh, I went out and hustled and got sponsors. And so I got sponsorship money. Uh, I got a bunch of ticket money. I sold like 500 tickets, got a percentage of the tickets, got paid to fight. And then I sold T-shirts, and I sold like two or $3,000 worth of T-shirts. I, I, long story short, I hustled the money, and I got the money, and I went out, and I fought the guy, and knocked him out with one punch. Because I had a boxing, boxing background, broke my right hand, and then knocked him out with one punch. Fight didn't even last a minute. First punch, I, I landed on him. And uh, um, <clears throat> um, so I was like, man, this is pretty easy money, you know? So uh, um, that was for urban, the Urban Rumble. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this again. Well, I thought about it. Well, then the little kid, her little daughter was like, I was babysitting her, hanging out with her. And they lived in a bad neighborhood over at North Shore, which is a suburb of Houston area, Houston. And uh, we're sitting there, and, and I'd been teaching the little one how to box. She's like six. And I said, man, she, and we bought a bunch of Nerf guns and did a bunch of fun stuff that day. Bad neighborhood. And I would go over there, you know, at night. And I didn't like it because, you know, and then one side, like three houses down, will be a bunch of uh, Hispanic guys drinking, listening to Toronto music. Yeah. And then another three houses the other way was the black guys drinking, drinking whatever and listening to rap music. I was like, man, this is bad. <laughs> some bad stuff's going to happen between these. Oh, <laughs> so dear. I really didn't like um, going over there. And the little girl was like, you know, if someone tries to come in, we can shoot them with our Nerf guns. I said, yeah, you got that right. She's like, but... We don't, but, but we don't need that because we know how to box. I said, yep, yes, we do. And then she was like, but then again, they got to get through the bars and the windows. And I was like, man, that sucks. I never had to deal with nothing like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I got some more fighting to do because I'm going to hustle to get the money to buy this, my, my fiance and this little girl a house and get them yeah. off this bad spot. So I took a fight with uh, Legacy Fighting Championships. And now it's uh, Mick Maynard. He's the matchmaker for the UFC. He's a buddy of mine. He owned Legacy. Yeah. And uh, um, I said, hey, man, I said, I need money to put down on this house. I said, for my, my you know, my future family, uh, you know, I'll, if you uh, 
brought me the money, I'll fight for you so many fights and I won't go up on, I'll fight for a thousand dollars a fight. You know, I won't go up. If I keep winning, I'm worth more money. He said, no worries, keep your ticket money and help me out with the house. And I just started fighting. I won a couple of fights, knocking guys out. And I, I just, that's what kind of got me into it, a little girl and a, and a, and a girl. Wow. And I, and I started enjoying it and I got, yeah, I started winning some and, um, to start line, I like to compete, and it was fun. And Legacy ended up being one of the best leagues in the country, other than the UFC. I mean, Legacy's one of the biggest other, you know, companies in the, in the United States. And I think Mick had sold the company to Ed Suarez, who was Anderson Silva's manager, and he manages a lot of the Brazilian fighters like Machida and all them. And now my buddy's the matchmaker for the UFC. He's one of them. And uh, you know, now it's Legacy Fighting Alliance, but. Yeah, that's, that's what got me into fighting. And now I just, I fought my last fight three months ago. I came yeah. out of retirement to fight a kid and um, that had been running his mouth about me that I was friends with and we weren't friends anymore. And fought that fight and I'm done. No more fighting for me. No 43, so. But I had to come out and fight that kid, though. And I got the victory and it was a good way to go out. Wow. It, it, it's crazy because, like, all that you pretty much you know, sort of got into it to get the ring, and then it became like a passion of yours to keep doing it. Yeah, well, you know what? What, what I did was, I, I, I like to compete, and that's a high-level competing. You got to be in phenomenal shape because you have to train so hard. People do not realize how hard you got to train to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and how great a shape you got to be in. And, and I like that. I like that because most people can't do it, you know, but 99.9% of the world can't do it, you know, so I like the fact that I can do something that most people can't or are too afraid to try. You know, if you go to the fights, there might be 10 fights that night. There's 20 guys fighting and there's 5,000 people watching, you know, and, you know, so I, I like the fact that I can get in there and do that, you know, and, it's, you know, it's scary, but I like the scary part of it, but it's also a way to compete and it's one-on-one, toe-to-toe, and plus I also got to know, I was involved in that really cool league, and I got to know all the fighters, and Houston's such an awesome MMA community that everyone knows everybody, everyone cross-trains at gyms, and it's like a family, I mean, eventually you end up fighting each other, but it's such a, just a cool experience in the bond and stuff, because I missed the bond, because I played college football, when I left, there was no more bond of my football buddies, everyone moves away, it goes about their business. Well, there's the bond that you get. Like I love going and watching the fights locally here now, just because it's a, it's like a reunion. We all hang out, and we watch the fights, and talk and stuff. And a lot of us still get together and train. Some of the guys I you know, grew up fighting with still fight. You know, my teammate, he's uh, the gym that I teach at Gracie Baja, the Woodlands. Alex Morano, he's he's in the UFC. Um, and then one of the other guys is my teammate. He's seven and oh, he's he'll probably get the call up to the UFC pretty soon. Jake Heffernan. Yeah. So I mean. It's just just a good good bond. I mean, I'm buddies with Derek Lewis. You know, he was. I fought on cards with Derek Lewis. I fought on cards with Henry Cejudo. I mean, so I mean, a lot a lot of history. I've seen Holly Holmes fought was a champ of the league that I fought in. And mm. I mean, I, I can name a bunch. There's two guys coming up that uh, that I'm cool with that I fought in the leagues with that are fighting on that next UFC Dallas card. Jeff Neal and Charles Bird. Um, mm. You know, so I mean, it, it's just it's just a cool experience. I mean, I, a lot of people don't get to see it from my side. You know. Yeah. Um, speaking of UFC, um, what what is your thoughts on the next McGregor fight? What, what what's your? Because uh, you know I can't pronounce the guy's last name who he's fighting. But what are your thoughts on that fight? <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Wow, you said it. <laughs> you said it better than me. Yeah, Khabib. Yeah, Khabib. Uh, Nagamedov is. Uh, um, 
it's going to be an interesting fight. I, I think it's going to be a one-sided blowout. It's going to, it's not, it's not going to be a back and forth seesaw fight. I think it's going to be whoever can impose their game plan is going to win the fight, and they're going to win it pretty easily. I think if Khabib can put him on the ground, Khabib will destroy him on the ground and either punish him out or, um, or, uh, um, or submit him. Mm-hmm. If Connor keeps him on his feet, it's an easy night for Connor, and he'll knock Khabib out. I think the reason McGregor took this fight. Was after he saw uh, Khabib fight uh, Alakina, mm-hmm. um, and he, and Khabib, he was able to get up off the ground, and Khabib's chin was tear. I mean, Khabib's stand-up sucks. It's not good. Yeah. And, and it was proven in his last fight against Alakina. Um, he was getting blasted. He was getting tore up by him. You know. And uh, Michael Johnson, uh, when Michael Johnson fought him, Michael Johnson rocked him and hurt him. I think if Connor could stop his takedown, um, Connor could knock him out. You know, yeah. and even if Connor can't stop his takedown event, he's just got to be able to keep getting up. Yeah. If he can keep getting up, it's going to open up his chances to punch. You know, his, one's one's a superior wrestler, the other one's a superior striker. So it all just kind of depends on um, who who can impose their will and, and, and keep and keep their game plan going. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's the big difference in this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on Chris Cyborg and um, Amanda Nunes? Uh, man, that's a good fight, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, um, I think Nunes is a better striker. I think Cyborg's uh, bigger and stronger, uh, but she's a little bit more wild. Um, I think I think Nunes is is, is uh, a cleaner striker as far as technical wise. You know, um, if I had to bet, I would lean towards Cyborg just because she's so dominant. And she's so big. Yeah, but. Nunes might have what it takes to out, you know, outstrike her and, and, uh, and clip her, you know. I, I don't know. You've never seen Cyborg in any trouble, you know. Yeah. She's lost kickboxing matches, though. She's lost tie fights. Yeah. And Nunes is a better striker, so if Nunes can keep it on the feet, I think Nunes can outpoint her. Yeah. Or might possibly clip her, you know, coming in kind of wild. And that's an interesting one, you know. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting fight itself, too. Yeah. And um, your thoughts on, I think next year, I don't know if it's officially signed on paper, but Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier, um, what do you think about that? Uh, Cormier, <laughs> Cormier will annihilate him. Yeah, really? You think I so? I don't, wow. think that fight, I don't even think that fight will be close. I, I think Cormier will um, will just just smash him. I mean, he Brock's you know Brock doesn't deserve that fight. My buddy Derek Lewis deserves that fight, but I don't think um, DC wants any part of Daniel Cormier. Hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think DC wants any part of Derek Lewis to be honest with you because he's too big and too strong. But I think uh, um, he's a lot more dangerous opponent than Brock Lesnar. I think DC handles him pretty easy, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I think he knocks him out. He'll knock Brock. And Brock's a coward, but, but Brock doesn't like to get hit. Brock's a bully. Yeah. And he, um, you know, he, he doesn't really, he shies. You see what happens when he gets hit. He turns his back and he runs. <laughs> so, yep. you know, I, I, think, I think DC, I mean, DC's fought, he's undefeated at heavyweight. Most of his wins come from heavyweight. And he's beaten some of the best heavyweights yeah. of all time. You know, he's beaten, uh, he's beaten, uh, you know, Josh Barnett. He's beaten, uh, he won that, he won that tournament, you know? Yeah. So um, he, he won that, he won that big tournament over in, uh, Strikeforce. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm say, but do you think Daniel shouldn't go, like, blows for blows with Brock Lesnar? Because Brock is a beast, though, regardless. Like, he's a freaking beast. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just... <clears throat> That, yeah, if he does that, he's got a chance at uh, catching. Yeah. He's going to give Cormier a chance of, 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 Cormier will give him a chance of getting caught 
and yeah. that'll be bad for Cormier. Uh, yeah. Cormier, uh, I don't really think. Uh, I think Cormier will dirty box him and use his wrestling to set up his boxing. He's, he's not stupid enough to go blow for blow with Brock. But Brock, you know, Brock's never really. I mean, he, he hurt Randy Couture. You know, yeah. he doesn't really knock guys out either. He puts them on the ground. Yeah. you know, and, and gets them that way by ground and pound. Um, I just, I mean, there's always a fight, so you never know what's going to happen. That's the good thing about fighting. It's it's the, the unknown. Yeah. So a- anything can happen in there because we've seen that happen multiple times over and over and over in fighting. Um, so we have to tune in to see, but I, my, my, my bet money would be on D.C. for sure, mm. and I think D.C. wins that fight. Um pretty uh, pretty easy and pretty decisive yeah um i know you said you're retired but um do you feel like you can still have a, at least a few more fights or you're pretty much done after your last fight oh no i could fight some more if i wanted to i'm in really good shape i've been injured though i got hurt really bad a week before my last fight uh the last day of training i herniated a disc in my back so all my movement i'm, I'm really fast and moving and out a bunch mm-hmm. i um i couldn't i couldn't move like I wanted to but it, what was cool is it made me change the fighter I'm a striker and I, on the fights that I would lose I would get submitted by brown belts and black belts in jiu-jitsu they'd get me on the ground and I didn't know any jiu-jitsu I would yeah. just train and fight because I worked two jobs so I, I would just get in and box and then someone would get me on the ground and I wouldn't know what to do well, I've been part of a real good jiu-jitsu gym for the past couple of years and I got my I got, I got my back taken I got out of the rear naked I took, another, I took the guy down pounding him out you know I was pounding on him and the second round, I, I slipped and fell, and I got caught in a real deep guillotine choke. Got out of that. He got me in the armbar, picked him up, and slammed him out of that. And I finished the kid on the ground. Um, so, um, uh, but, but I was hurt really bad in that fight. And then I just got hurt again doing jiu-jitsu about a month and a half ago. So the older I get, the more injury I get. But I'm in phenomenal shape. I mean, if you looked at my Facebook page and looked at the weigh-ins from my last picture, I looked like a superhero. I looked like an action figure. That's how good shape I'm in. And I get my cardio. I, I train was 25 and 26 year old kids and my cardio is just as good if not better than theirs usually it's better than most of them <laughs> that's the way to do it man when, when i train for fights yeah when i train for fights yeah my cardio is i'll be undefeated if they judge fights on cardio it's, yeah it's, i i so good a shape i always get in and push myself yeah you know how everybody says like ufc is the pinnacle of excellent us ufc is the mma it is what it is but um What's your thoughts on like Bellator, you know, the Legacy Fighting Championship, King of the Cage? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on the other promotions overall, as opposed to UFC? Good, yeah. yeah. Well, you got to look at all those. All, the UFC pulls guys from all of those leagues, so yeah. um, they, they all have good fighters in them. It's kind of like the minor leagues; they're all professional fight leagues. But um, you got to start somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, you know, Mike Jackson, who gets, you know, who gets a shot because. Mickey Gold needed somebody who was one and zero, and they needed somebody to fight CM Punk. Yeah, and he and he knew the right people to get you know he knew he knew the right people to get that shot. Yeah. Um, but most you know, Cejudo came out of Legacy. Derek Lewis came out of Legacy. Yeah. My buddy Alex Morano came out of Legacy. Uh, Holly Holmes came out of Legacy. Uh, and there's got you know Bellator's got a lot of good fighters. They get a lot of the old UFC guys, but they yeah. get a lot of good fighters too. Yeah. Um, there's good fighters all over the place. I mean, all those leagues. I really don't know about King of the Cage. I don't really watch them that much. Yeah. Um, but I know like the Fury Fighting Championship, the Legacy Fighting Championships, Bellator. Those are all. Those are all legit. Those are all real deals. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, a league that I fought in back home called Cage Digression. That's a decent league because uh, Eric Shelton. He, he he was on the Ultimate Fighter though, and he lost to uh, 
Tim Elliott. Otherwise, yeah. he would have got to fight Mighty Mouse. Um, you know, he came from that league. So there's always good guys that are going to make their way through no matter what league they start at, you know. Yeah. They'll eventually work their way up to a bigger and better promotion. So there's good, there's good leagues all over the place. Yeah. You, know, you just never know who, who, who's there. I, I think Legacy as a whole um, is, is, is the biggest one. You know, Bellator, it'd be UFC, Bellator, and then Legacy as far as like top three leagues, I would say. Yeah. But a lot of guys... A lot of great fighters have come out of Legacy. Yeah, like I said, Henry Cejudo is out of Legacy. He's the, the champ. Holly Holmes is one of the, well, was the champ. Yeah. Uh, Derek Lewis is ranked two in the, in the, in the world for heavyweight. He's a Legacy guy. Yeah. Um, Tim Means is a top welterweight. He's a Legacy guy. So, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good leagues. You know, they're, you know, they're all, they, like I said, they all produce good, good, good quality of fighters. Yeah. Um, two more questions because, um, because um, I know you got to go. Cause I know you gotta go. Um, I'm good, man. I, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm at my gym. I can go longer than two more questions if you want. Oh, all right, cool then. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, because there's a lot of people who do UFC, right, and then they transition yeah. into professional wrestling. Um, is that something that interests you, or that's that? Like, what are your thoughts on you of MMA fighters going into professional wrestling, like the Shamrocks of the world? Um, you know, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, those. Those guys that you name now, I don't think anybody can do it. They're trying to get me to do some professional wrestling here because my buddy runs one of the Houston wrestling organizations or the Texas wrestling organization. Number one, I'm too small. You know, those guys are all pretty big. Yeah. I can still probably do it, but I don't think my body can take the punishment anymore. Yeah. And you have to be a certain, um, you have to still be marketable. Like the Ken Shamrock, when he got in, he was the most dangerous. That nickname was the most dangerous man on, on the planet. Yeah. Or whatever, and he, he, was, he was legit, so he could sell himself in. Ronda Rousey was a huge name. They can gimmick her in. Brock Lesnar, you know, he was able to gimmick. You know, he was. He, people don't realize that Brock Lesnar was like one of the best collegiate wrestlers of all time. He was like 106 and two, you know. And he's a big specimen. He's athletic, and you know. And, and so they, they can make. I mean, WWE can make me a superstar if they wanted to. You know, it's just yeah. if they're marketable. Those guys had already proven themselves marketable, and they're athletic enough. To, to join the WWE, you know, and, and, and big enough, you know, yeah. um, to where they were able to make that transition. I don't know if it would work for every fighter, mm -hmm. um, but certain fighters could, could definitely make it work if they wanted to and if the, and if the WWE wanted them to, you know, makes sense? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, let me ask you this, Bam Bam. Um, what's the key to a successful marriage? Communication uh, is one. Um, not fight, you know, I'm learning all these things as I go. Uh, <laughs> I've only been married for two years. I've only been married for two years. So my yeah. um, communication shoot, it's something I'm not really good at. Yeah. Um, I, like, I could talk to you all day long. When it comes to communicating with the wife, you know, you have to talk about uncomfortable stuff. I tend to shy away from that. I don't want no part of that. Um, yeah. But communication shoots, trust is huge. Loyalty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Budgeting your money because, you know, some of the things we fight over is money. And, uh, um, just because I'm so used to living a single life with a lot of money, right. and now that I'm married with two little kids, you got to change things. You just got to, you got to compromise. You got to communicate, and you have to be, you have to have trust. Those three things, I think, are the three biggest things. Yeah, yeah. And um, how is it dealing with kids now, having kids of your own now? Like, how is it? How how has the structure changed for you? <laughs> well, I love kids, so I, I'm used to. I work with kids all the time. Yeah. Special education teacher. I'm always around kids, and then when I would teach at my buddy's gym, 
I was always around little kids. So I love little kids. I've always been someone who loved little kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife's daughter, you know, uh, my daughters, I love them. You know, I, they were, I was friends with them first. I actually, my, uh, my, my wife, I, I didn't even know who she was. Her kids did karate at my school. And, um, you know, I could never find a good girl. I, I was, a, you know, I, I thought God was maybe punishing me because I was such a bad boy, you know. Yeah. Uh, growing up, you know, I played college football as a fighter. I was didn't really want girlfriends, you know, I was just a playboy, you know, I'd yeah. hang out I was, and have fun and, and, and stuff, and I, you know, I got to where I was older and I was wanting to settle down, and I was at my gym, and I always have a bag, a big giant bag of candy on me because I like to eat candy, yeah. and her, uh, it's funny because I work with autistic kids, and an autistic kid brought me to my wife, and I was in the gym, and no little kids are allowed on my side of the gym because it's the adult side, it's got weights and it's boxing and MMA. Mm-hmm. Little kids are running through my side because I got candy, and I'm giving it to them. Stuff. <laughs> and I, as long as they don't get in the way of the class, I don't want them to get hurt. And so I'm watching this little girl. We had these giant uh, shelves where people can put their like cubby racks. Yeah. The people can put their coats and equipment in the thing. And I'm watching this little girl play all by herself, and people are just running. Kids are just running by, and she's got no no worries in the world about them. Not even watching them. Not even paying attention to all these other kids. And I'm watching her, and I had one excuse me, I had one gummy worm left, and I was going to eat it and throw the wrapper away. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go give it to that little girl. She looks like a cute little kid. And as soon as I walk over there, she looks at me, and I said, you want this? And I hand it out, and my future wife, who I didn't know, come around the corner and looks at me like, who the hell is this guy giving my little kid candy? And like, I had to go, no, 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 I'm, I'm Mr. Patrick, I work here. Look, I'm the boxing coach. Look, 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 those are all my pictures. <laughs> so I said, can she have this? And she goes, yeah, she can have it. Say, thank you, Sally. And so the little girl signs, thank you. And I go, well, can she not talk? She's like, well, we're working on that. I go, well, what does that mean? Well, we're waiting on Texas Children's. I said, how long are you waiting? We're on the waiting list for 15 months. I said, no, 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 that's not good. Wow. That, that, that's too long. Your kid could be verbal and might not ever speak because I work with a kid that didn't get the help. And now he was 22 and he can't talk. Yeah. So I said, you bring her to me every day after karate, and I'll get your kid to talk. I said, it's going to take a lot of candy and toys, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to get her to talk. And, I, you know, I said, well, if it's 2 in the morning and your little girl gets up and says, cookie, you got to get up and give her a cookie because she'll learn. I communicate, I get. So I started teaching the little kid. Sure enough, little bit by little bit, I got her to talk. And then I ended up um, knowing people in the school district. And I got her assessed to a friend of mine who has her own personal business. So we got her assessed as autism. And through the people I know in the district, I was able to get her in the STEPS program uh, at Deerwood Elementary. She got into early school at three because she had a disability. And uh, um, I got her in there. And, and then my, my wife, you know, goes, well, I don't know. I can't go anywhere with her. We can't go anywhere because she has tantrums. And I'm like, she's three. All little kids have tantrums. I said, you go with me. Ain't no one going to say nothing because I won't allow it. Yeah. So I started hanging out with them and going places with them and helping her out because I know how to deal with kids like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, next thing you know, she goes, so when are we going to go out? <laughs> so my wife asked me out. My wife my is a beautiful woman, so that's the coolest part of the story. I get to brag about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now we've been married for a couple of years. My little girl is, uh, and I got two daughters, Lena and Sally, and uh, my little girl is second grade. She's a tiny bit behind, but she's like the most... With school stuff, but she's like the most popular kid in class. Won't yeah. shut up. She talks. <laughs> does all kinds of stuff now. So. 
Oh, that that's that's awesome. Well, I love how? Kids, so. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, you help the kids and then you find love at the same time. It works out, you know. <coughs> with kids with autism, yeah, that's what, that, that's what brought me to my wife. Now I got a family, so kind of a cool story. You know, it's almost it's an awesome story if you're a single guy because the chicks you go crazy every time I tell it to girls, they go nuts. But now it, it don't do me no good because I'm married. Yeah, I know. The thing is, you know, I have daughters too, and I wasn't always a saint when I was a teenager. So I feel like things that I'm dealing with in life, I'm like, oh, this is going to bite me in the ass because I have daughters now. Do you feel like that, having yeah. daughters? Like, oh, everything you've done, you know, whatever you, whatever you did, if you cheated on girls in high school or whatnot or slept around or whatnot, do you feel like, oh, man, I got daughters, so this has got to prepare me for, for something else in the future? I, I think, you know what, I think it gives me an advantage because I know what it's like to be one of the bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> I can warn them and teach them about stuff, you know. I can teach them and warn them. And then, but at the end of the day, with your kids, you're going to have to, you know, young kids are going to, you know, there was a real bad car wreck around here, you know, where I'm from. And a high school kid, three high school kids got a real bad car wreck and two of the kids died. And they're all underage drinking. And I go this, you know, even whether it's you're having boyfriends or girlfriends, kids are going to be kids. Yeah. The underage kids are going to drink. They're going to do bad things. They're going to have boyfriends. They're going to have girlfriends. My thing is, I want to be able to prepare them the best that I can, yeah. and be ready for those situations, and let them know. You know, if if you, I, you know, I know you're probably going to drink, and I'm not going to know about it, but I'm not going to be mad if you call me and you get in a situation. Yeah. I'm going to be more pissed off if you get behind the wheel of a car, or you get in the car with somebody like that. You're going to be in a lot, hell of a lot more trouble than if you call me. You know, so I, I'm just you know, with kids, you can only prepare them so much and put the faith in yourself that you did a good enough job raising them that they'll make the right decision yeah because you can't always be there you know you can't always be there like my parents weren't always there and they raised me to be right i did i do some bad things they probably wouldn't be proud of of course but you know at the end of the day they did a pretty good job and i hope i can do the same for my little girls you know yeah and i'm pretty laid back and pretty cool so i won't be a dad that's that's and i'm i won't be a dad that's a I'll get in their butt if I got to get in their butt a little bit, but I'm also going to be cool about stuff. You know, I'm not too strict. You know, my wife's a little bit more strict than I am. <laughs> get away with more stuff with me. <laughs> it's, always, it's always like that. It's like mom is always like the rule disciplinarian when it comes with girls. But daddy yeah. is like, oh, that's daddy's girl. You know, like whatever. That's right. <laughs> that's, right. that's how it is. Yeah. Um. Um. What Patrick has any. Have you ever had any, like, bad experience happen to you when you was younger? Have you ever dealt with, like, a traumatic experience or a traumatic episode in life? No, 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 no. I've never had anything bad happen to me. I mean, I, you know, other than, like, the, you know, one of my buddies that got killed, you know, right after we graduated in high school, uh, you know, other than life. Like, yeah. As far as, like, somebody doing a bad thing to me, like, like touching me or, yeah. or being beat by my parents or... No, nothing like that ever happened to me. I was blessed. I was always around good people and, and protected well. And so I've never, you know, I've never been in any of those bad situations, if that's what, you, if that's what you're asking. Now, I've had bad things happen to me where, you know, friends have died and stuff like that. Yeah. But nothing to the extreme of, you know, a friend of mine, you know, of a friend getting murdered or, you know, they got, you know, a buddy got killed drinking and driving, you know what I mean? But nothing like where I've had somebody get murdered in my family or and I know people who've been murdered but you know not close friends or family members and I've never had any of my family be raped or you know what yeah. I'm saying or nothing like that you know okay um is there a, like a like is there like a regimen you go through like eating wise health wise like are you in some kind are you in like what is your diet like are you strict with foods or like what is your uh depends 
Yeah. When I train for fights, yes. I still eat really healthy even when I'm not training for fights. Oh, okay. But I work out so much and I train so much that I can do whatever I want. But if I'm training for a fight, yeah, my diets are pretty strict. Uh, but I still cheat. I, I work harder enough to wear, like the the day before my weigh-ins, I had a cherry Pepsi with my dinner and I had a milk <laughs> before I went to bed. But because I, I train so much and I work so hard during my, I can do that. And I got to keep my mind healthy and right, so I'm happy. A lot of guys won't do that. They won't eat nothing for like a week, and yeah. I can't do that. So, I, but I, I work out so much and train so hard for those fights that I can pretty much do whatever I want. Yeah. But I don't touch no alcohol and. Uh, you know, my diet's kind of, I was off summer vacation, so my diet kind of sucked a little bit because I was injured, so I couldn't train and do anything. I couldn't even lift weights because uh, I hurt my neck. So, you know, my diet slipped a little bit, had pizza, you know, and I'm on summer vacation too, so I got to be a normal person for a while, you know. But now that I'm back in school, I'm eating my meals in the morning, eating my lunches, eating them at night. I just got to be able to get back in the gym. And I'm going to try to start that next week. I'm going to give it a shot next week. Going yeah. really light and stuff, so. Yeah. Um, out of all the fights you had, um, who's been your toughest opponent, if you could remember? Uh, they're all tough, you know. Um, yeah. I can tell you my most satisfying fight. Okay. Uh, was my last one. That yeah. was that was my. They're all tough. All those guys are tough. You're gonna win some. You're gonna lose some. Yeah. You're gonna get put in bad spots. I had a tough fight. I fought a guy who's. He's a, he was a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and I ripped my bicep off the bone in the first 30 seconds of the fight. Holy shit. And he was wanting to put me on the ground. I was able to I was able to keep, I, I was able to get up when he took me down one time. I took him down, and I was able to outbox him and move him, and nobody knew that my bicep was torn except for me, my corner, and the doctors. Uh, and, and that was a tough fight because I had to fight injured like that. Um, the last fight was hard because I fought, I shouldn't even have been walking and I hurt myself, but I had to fight it because out of, out of all my fights, I've never had any, any animosity towards any of my opponent except for this last guy. We didn't like each other at all. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of trash talk. I usually don't talk trash ever. Yeah. And I really had a lot of dislike for this kid because of some of the stuff he said and I was hurt really bad. I shouldn't even have been fighting. Um, I was on a walker for three weeks after the fight. Oh my God. So, uh, so that, that, that was... It was tough to get in there and fight like that, but it wasn't a tough fight. I mean, I've you know, I'm pretty much whooped it pretty, pretty good. I beat, the sh- I mean, I had to beat the shit out of him, but um, <laughs> you know, they're like all the, all the guys are tough. So I mean, I can't really say tough fights because they have, they're both, they all seesaw back and forth sometimes. Yeah. So they're all tough to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best, my best fight, my favorite fight of all time was the last one. That was your favorite fight of all time. Oh. My first one, or my, either my first one, because the place erupted, I knocked that dude out with one punch, and the place went crazy. Yeah. I, had, I sold out most of the stadium. Yeah. Um, or when I fight back home, those are good fights, because everyone back home gets to see me. And then, uh, um, or the last one, because the last one was actually a true rivalry fight where I actually had dislike for the guy that I was fighting. And all my fights, I've never had that. Yeah. So that's probably my favorite. Okay. Um, when was the last time you've been to Illinois again? Uh, I was home last time for Christmas. Oh, for Christmas? Last year for Christmas. Oh, okay. Like, when you come back yeah, home, home, do you feel like a hometown hero, almost, or? Uh, you know what? A lot of people, I, a lot of the people, everyone back home knows me. Yeah. Um, but I grew up with a lot of those guys. You know, they always say, I'm proud of you, man. You're keeping us on the map, man. I'm proud of what you're doing, and you're making us look good. That feels good, you know? Yeah. But I just feel like a normal guy, because I'm from back home. I'm back, and I grew up with all those people, you know? So... I don't feel any different, you know. I, it is cool when I got older guys that went to my high school that come up to me and go, man, I'm proud of you, man. I, 
I look up to you. You know, things like that. You know, guys that are my older brother's age. Some guy told me that a couple about a month ago. You know, yeah, yeah. I got into a confrontation with somebody back home, and uh, he heard about it. It was like months ago. I don't know. I'm like, dude, they're still talking about that. And, uh, <laughs> He was like, man, you know, I, he goes, I, I just, you know, you're better than that. I looked up to you, man. And I'm sitting there, dude, you're like seven years older than me. No. You look up to me, you know, but, you know, but it's, it's cool. I mean, that's, that part's kind of cool that, I, that, that people back home are proud of me, you know? Yeah. It especially... That's, that's yeah, especially small towns like, you know, I'm in Wisconsin, so it's like Illinois, like you appreciate where the people come from because, you know, Midwest, we don't oh, really have, yeah, we don't have much like that. It's not like, you know, I'm originally from New York City and New York City, everything yeah. is taken for granted. But when you're in a, in, a, in a small town in the Midwest, everything is looked upon, you know, you're looked on as, as a hero, yeah. basically, you know, so it's kind of refreshing that's hearing right. that, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. What you said is exactly right. You know, um, and um, my final question for you, Patrick, is what would the Patrick of today tell the Patrick of yesterday? Uh, be a little bit, be a little bit more smarter in some of the choices that you make. Um, grow up a little bit, you know. Um, you, you wait too long to grow up, uh, uh, <laughs> but I enjoy life and I had a great time. I wouldn't change anything about my life at all. Um, uh, relax a little bit you're older now you're, you're trying to, you're still trying to be who you were 21 years old and you're starting to get injured more uh, but I, I got no complaints over my life I, I was like anybody else I grew up and learned lessons as I did them um, I had a lot of fun and I wouldn't trade anything about my life I mean I, you know I, I did bad things you know I drank I did drugs so I beat all that stuff you know and I learned from it I teach people all the time so I, I can teach from my mistakes Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, CBN did a big, CBN Christian Broadcast Network did a huge uh, special on me. And it was cool, man. I talked about how I got saved and how Mr. Foreman saved me and uh, how I did all those bad things and, and how they're not good. And uh, now I work with kids, you know, even not just the autistic kids. I work with kids that are behavior kids. Mm-hmm. And they, they're around all that stuff, you know, and I can tell them it's not good to do all that stuff. They like, you're a teacher, you don't know my bro. If you only knew, I did cocaine with this celebrity and that celebrity. And it was yeah. cool at the time, but I got nothing to show for it. it was, nothing positive came out of it, other yeah. than a cool, a cool story. Yeah. Uh, you know? that's cool oh um, um um i forgot to ask you um you know how cm punk everybody was ragging on him and jason david frank was yeah. challenging cm punk um what are your thoughts on that you think jason david frank could get in the ring with cm punk if he wanted to uh, he jason david frank would beat the crap out of cm punk jason's yeah. a lot better fighter than cm punk yeah um cm punk didn't deserve to be in the ufc uh i think Jason was wanting to, he saw it as an easy opportunity to get into the UFC. Yeah. Uh, you got to be able to, you got to be using a celebrity. He probably, he was hoping for it. I, I don't agree with CM Punk. I don't agree with uh, people getting in that way. I think they should have to fight their way in like everybody else. Yeah. You shouldn't get a free ride because you're some kind of a celebrity. You should be able to fight your way in, at least with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was legitimate. He was one of the greatest collegiate wrestlers of all time. At least he had a pedigree and a background. Yeah. You shouldn't use your fame or TV credentials to be able to get in. You should have to fight your way in like everybody else, but those guys want the free ride in because they're not good enough to fight their way in. They'll lose. Yeah. There's guys that'll beat them up. They're not as good as, so they want to use their celebrity to get a free way in instead of earning their way in like everybody else. Um, you know, and it's an easy fight for him because he want. I think that's why he wanted that fight too, because it's an easy fight. He don't want a hard fight. He wants an easy fight. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. That that's. But I mean, who wouldn't want an easy fight on national TV in the UFC? <laughs> right. Yeah. I would. I would have took that. 
you know, if they would have offered me that fight, I'd have took that fight. I said, hell yeah, put me on the UFC and I'll go in there and fight him. Oh, sure. I, they could I, offer me John Jones in the UFC and I would go in and fight John Jones. That's who I am. I, I don't look for easy fights. I've never turned on an opponent. And yeah. all the guys that I've, all the guys I've lost to him turned around and fought in the UFC. Yeah. You know, or they're the top guys in my leagues. I'd go up and wait and fight them because nobody would fight them. Yeah. And those are the fights that I would, that, that I like. You know, other guys, they don't like them. They want all the fights that they should win. And to me, you're not fooling, you're fooling the, you're fooling your fans. You're not fooling the fighters and the coaches that really know the score. Yeah. You know, we know the real deal. You know, we know who the good fighters are. You're, you're fooling your fans and think you're the greatest, you know, but <laughs> to me, at the end of the day, I mean, I could, me personally, I couldn't live with that. Yeah. Oh, you're 10 and 0? Yeah, but I fought 10 tomato cans. I'd rather be 0 and 10. And fight ten legitimate fighters. Yeah. And just you know what? They were better than me. You know. Yeah. I, I, me, I, I don't like all that fake. Uh, I, I don't like all the fake accolades. You know. I would rather. I would rather fight ten times, and if I won five and lost five, at least they were legitimate opponents, yeah. and I know that I got in there and, and said I am with a with a hard fight. That dude whooped me, or I whooped him. You know. That, that's me though. Not everybody's like that. Yeah. And um, one more question. Um, where does the Bam Bam come yeah. from? Uh, I got that uh, when I was, I'm super strong, yeah. and uh, um, I got that just from being like like crazy strong. I used to be able to bench press like 400 pounds. Jeez. If you grab me and I grab you, if I wrestle and grab you, I, I, I'm not fun to grab, I'm not fun to mess with. You can ask any of the high belts at my gym. I give them problems just because I'm so strong. And I wrestle with guys a hell of a lot bigger than me, yeah. and I'm, I'm stronger than them. I'm just, I'm just freakishly strong. Oh, man. Just like Bam Bam from the, you know, from the Flint song. Yeah, yeah, Bam Bam. Because I think of, what do you think of your name? I think of Bam Bam Bigelow, um, Bam Bam Hutton now. You know, there's, there's, you know, if you got a name like Bam Bam, you better back it up. So I definitely know you can back it up. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I got that name, just because I've always been really strong. Oh, man. Well, Bam Bam, well, um, plug your social media. Um, plug any upcoming events. If you have any upcoming events coming up or anything, or where people want to write to you, um, where, where can they write to you at? Okay, what, what can they write to me? Yeah, like if like if you have a Facebook page, Instagram, or whatnot, if people want to see your yeah, picture. Yeah, I got, yeah. I, got, I, got, I got a Facebook page. It's uh, Patrick Hutton. I got an Instagram page. It's P Hutton 74. Yeah. I got a Twitter, and I think that's P Hutton 34, but I'm not sure because I don't use it that much. Okay. Um, but they can email They can email me, Patrick Hutton 34 at yahoo.com. All right. Well, Patrick, man, if you come to the Midwest one day, you know, I'll have a beer with you. You have a cherry Coke, and then, you know, we can shoot the, shoot the yeah, crap, you know? <laughs> I, I was in, I was in, I was in uh, Milwaukee last summer. I oh. love Milwaukee. I go to Summerfest, and oh. I was up there last year watching the Cubs play the Brewers. We had a big group of us meet in Chicago, and we drove up to Milwaukee. So oh. I, I, I go to Milwaukee quite a bit. So I like Milwaukee. It's a fun city. I go for the Summerfest. I've been multiple times. Oh, so you so, go to the State Fair, right? The Wisconsin State Fair? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I've gone there a few times. Yeah. And then, you know, I went up last summer with a bunch of friends. Milwaukee's a fun town. I've never been to Madison. I've been to Alpine Valley. I've seen Pearl Jam. So I've been to Wisconsin. I've been to Wisconsin Dells, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you've been around here. Yeah, I'm saying there's not much around here, but when there's stuff to do, there's stuff to do, you know? That's right. That's right. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much, man. And best of luck to you, and God bless, and good luck. In the future, and my best wishes for you and your family, man. Hey, thanks, brother. You too, man. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, no problem. I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks. <laughs>